Alright, so we're going to pick it up from Daf Ayin Vav Amid Aleph. We are three, four, five, six, seven lines into the page. We're Ravashi. Um, just to review what the, the problem that the Gemara is dealing with, we had a machlaikis early on in the Masechta between Rav Yeshua and Rav Gamliel. What do you do when you have a dispute when it comes to money, where one side has Hamaitzi Mechabel which means one side has the money, the other side has a Chazaka? So does the chazaka win, or does the money win? The case was about a woman who was found not to be a basula. She claims that she became not a basula. She was attacked after marriage. He claims no, it was before, and it's a mekachtais. I don't have to pay the ksuba. So he's holding on to the money, but she has a chazaka, that a chazaka that women are basulas until proven otherwise. So you have chazaka against hamotzi mechavel of araya, and it's a machlogus, Rav Yeshua, Rav Gamliel, who wins. Rav Yeshua holds the one who has the money wins. Rav Gamliel holds the one who has the chazaka wins. Now... The, the 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 Gemara's problem is as follows. In our Mishnah, you had a situation where you have a dispute between the husband and wife when the mumin appear, appeared. See, he claims right, she has mumin. She, they find out after marriage that she has certain uh, blemishes. The husband claims the blemishes developed early on before the engagement. So the whole thing is a mekachtais. And he's holding on to the money. She claims the mumin developed later. Now she has a chazaka on her side because the chazaka is that bodies are, are normal until proven otherwise. So her claim has a chazaka. His claim has hamotzi mechaver of araya. So you have, so you know, who wins? So it's, it would seem to be this machlaikis between Rav Yeshua and Rav Gamliel. How are you doing? Today's just a Zoom day. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. So it would seem to be a machlaikis between Rabbi Yeshua and Gamliel. Who should win? Is it the Hamotzi Mechaver Levaraya person winning, or is it uh, the one who has a chazaka? So our Mishnah has this weird take, which is it depends when the the, the blemish is developed. If they developed after engagement in her father's home, then the burden of proof is on her, and the husband wins. If it developed after Nisuin in the husband's home, then the burden of proof is on him. And she wins. So we have this problem of it's sort of like, it's like binary. It should either be that she always wins because you go with Chazaka, or he always wins because you go with Hamotzim Chalavarai. So where is this coming from? So we had one answer yesterday. Today, the Gemara is going to start with a second answer. Ravashi Omar, Reisha mana la'ava biyadecha, v'seifa mana li biyadecha. It's an interesting answer, and that is, you're, you're assuming that our Mishnah is a, a shayla of whether Chazaka wins or Hamotzi Mechavei Lavaraya. Why? Because you got Hamotzi Mechavei because the husband's got the cash. She wants the money. She's got the Chazaka because her body, assuming a body is healthy until proven otherwise, so she's got the Chazaka, he's got the Hamotzi Mechavei So we So we wanted to know, like, if you follow Rav Gamliel, she should always win. If you follow Rav Shua, he should always win. So the answer is we follow Rav Gamliel. That really, the Chazaka always wins. So why in the first part of our Mishnah, where the blemish is developed at her father's house, after Kedushin, do we say the burner proof is on her? If you go with Chazaka, then she should always be the one winning because she has the Chazaka of her body. The answer is that in the first part of the Mishnah, when the blemish is developed after Kedushin, when she's still at her father's house, who gets the money? The halacha is, it goes to her father. She's still at her father's house. She's, she's, uh, she's below the age of 12 and a half. So who gets the money? The father. Because the father is the one getting the money... We don't use her body as a chazaka, meaning it's not chazaka against 
like we assumed, because the money that is going to be going, it's not going to her, it's going to her dad. So because it's going to her dad, he, the fact that her body as a chazaka doesn't help the father's claim. Meaning if she was keeping the money, so it's her against him, she's got a chazaka, he's got a motzim chavaraya, that's a machlokas tanoim. And that's why the end of the Mishnah, where after Nisuin, where she gets the money, so it's her against him, she uses her body's chazaka to win. In the first part of the Mishnah, where she's after Kedushin, she's still at her father's house, the money will actually be going to her father. Because the money will be going to her father, her father's claim cannot, she, he can't use her chazaka as part, it's not her chazaka against Hamas Ravaraya, it's the father's claim. So it's like, you know, if, if the person whose chazaka it is, is getting the money, then it's chazaka against Hamas Ravaraya, but that's not what's happening over here. It's going to the dad. So the fact that her body has a chazaka is not strong enough, considering it's not his body. So, Rav Yishu, so the answer is, we follow Rav Gamliel, that a person's chazaka outweighs Hamos Chavaraya, but that's only if it's a chazaka to the claimant. But over here, the father's getting the money, and he wants to use her body's chazaka, that doesn't work. Now, again, it's a tremendous chiddush, because I would just assume it's chazaka against Hamos Chavaraya. The answer is no. It, it, because the father is the one claiming the money in the first part of the Mishnah, he cannot use her body as a chazaka to claim to beat Hamotze Mechavel Chazaka will only win if the claimant uses their own chazaka's chazkas aguf. But the father using her chazaka is not strong enough to override Hamotze Mechavel The Gemara now has a question. So you're telling me the reason why the second part of the Mishnah, where it's after Nisuin, so the money goes to her, the reason why she wins is because you have her chazaka against his hamotz chavaraya, and chazaka wins because it follows Rav Gamliel. So the Gemara just wants to know like this: The Brisa says that although generally after Nesuin we say she wins, that's only true for blemishes that most likely did not develop. Again, her claim is that the blemishes developed later on, so it's not a mekach and we said after Nisuin, she wins, as the Mishnah says. But the problem is, says Rav Meir, and the reason why she's winning now is because it's Hamotzi Chavar Alvaraya is trumped by her Chazaka. Now here's the question. The Brisa says, if there's a mum that most likely developed early on, if it most likely, you know, it's 65% developed early on, she actually loses. The burden of proof is on her. That's what the Brisa says. I mean, it's only, it's only, she only wins, says the Brisa, if it's a, if it's a blemish that most likely developed later. But if it's the type of blemish that most likely developed earlier, she actually loses. That's what the Brisa says. The question is, am I man The question is like this. If you're telling me that the reason why the second part of the Mishnah, she wins the claim, is because her chazaka beats his amotzimechavelaraya, then it should always win. So why does the Brisa say that it does not win if it's a blemish that most likely developed earlier? I don't care that it most likely developed earlier. Let's say you have it's some sort of you know skin condition that the doctors say most likely developed 10 years ago. So she'll lose the claim. But why? You still have a chazaka, and you have her chazaka should win. So what's the difference? Why is it that she ever loses? If you're telling me that Chazaka always beats Hamotz and Mechavel of Araya, then she should win 100% of the time. Why are there scenarios where she doesn't win? Again, her claim is that it developed later, his claim is it developed earlier, and we said generally she wins, but there are scenarios where she doesn't. The question is, why is there ever scenarios that she doesn't win? If Hamotz and Mechavel of Araya, it's like, uh, it's like math. If, Hamotzi, if Chazaka beats Hamotz and Mechavel of Araya, and she's Chazaka, and he's Hamotz and Mechavel of Araya, she should win 100% of the time. 
So why is the burden of proof ever on her? So the answer is, the only, you're right, the only time she loses, again, her claim is that it developed later, his claim is that it developed earlier. The only time she loses and the burden of proof is on her is if it's an extra finger. You get married, you find out she's got six fingers on one hand. So that's a blemish. So then she loses. Why? Because that definitely did not develop later. Like, but, meaning, oh, okay, fine, I got meaning it. her claim is that it developed later. So we said, oh, there are some times where she loses. But why? Why would she ever lose? The answer is she loses in a case where she's 100% not correct. But, but, but he would notice that. But he would see that. That's not a hidden oh, blemish. So the, Gemara says, so the Gemara says, wait a minute. Well, the Gemara sort of addresses your question. So you're telling me the one time where the burden proof is on her is if she has an extra finger. Let me ask you a question. What is she proving? Well, burden of proof to prove what? That it happened later? You don't grow a finger. So the Gemara says, my raya maisi, raya derav in The answer is what you said, which is that her burden of proof is to prove that he was made aware of it. That he can't, meaning, meaning of course, in, generally her burden of proof is to prove that it developed later. In this scenario, she she's not... Exactly. Meaning, exactly. In this case, she's not proving that it developed later, because that's impossible. Her burden of proof is to prove that he was made aware of it, that there were times where her hand was exposed, and and he was aware of it. That's what her burden of proof is. Okay. Now, so is, it, is, is the finger thing just an example? It could be other things also. It would have to be an example of something like that, which is 100% developed earlier. Like from birth, a birth defect with one hundred percent certainty. A, then, a, a mole on her face. Well, if moles like don't we did develop, that no? correct? Yeah, if moles don't develop later, I don't know if moles develop, but but if moles don't develop, then yes, it would be like that. Okay, fine. Now it's a very short Ahmed, so we're going to do our best. But the basic premise of this Mishnah is that you have her claim, which is backed by a Chazaka, his claim, which is Hamatzachalavaraya, that he's got the cash. Now, according to Rabbi Yeshua, the one who has the cash always wins. According to Rabbi Gamliel, the one who has the chazaka always wins. Okay. So the Gemara says like this, Let's say I have a donkey, you have a cow, and I want to swap. So I make a deal. So again, I have the donkey, you got the cow. So how does, how does the swap work? We make a deal that the second I acquire the cow, donkey becomes yours automatically. Yeah? Again, I own the donkey, you own the cow. I'm dragging your cow, it becomes mine, and then you automatically acquire my donkey. Here's the problem. The donkey is not present, only the cow is, which is fine. So I acquire the cow, you get my donkey, it's outside. Here's the problem. I acquire the cow at 1.20 in the afternoon. Okay? 1.21, we go outside, and the donkey is dead. So the question is, when did it die? Did it die after the acquisition? and what was my donkey is now your dead donkey, and I get a cow? Or did it die before the acquisition, and the acquisition never took place? Right? The acquisition was based on the premise that I'm dragging your cow, and you get my donkey. If my donkey is dead, then there is no acquisition. So the question is, when did the donkey die? So at this point, I'm holding the cow. <laughs> it's my cow now, right? So the question is, whose burden of proof is it? So the Gemara says like this, I'm swapping a donkey for a cow. I own the donkey, it's outside. I drag the cow to me. And they go outside, they realize the donkey died. So the question is, when did the donkey die? So And who has to prove it? 
So says the Gemara, Al Bal HaChamor Lo Haviraya Shechamor Kaim B'Shas Meshichas Par. It's very strange. See, I would assume, if I were to ask you, who would have to prove the, 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 the donkey's life? I currently have your cow, right? You gave it to me. I took it. It's in my house. You went to go get my donkey and it's dead. I would assume that you would have to prove it because I'm already, I already got my cow, right? It's like you want to take the cow from me. The halach is no. I have to prove the donkey was alive in order to uh, hold on to what I already have right now. So it's not, it's not your burden of proof to get your cow back. It's my burden of proof to hold on to the cow. Correct. Now, the reason why that's unique is because generally, the burden of proof is on the person who wants to take the money. Over here, the burden of proof is on the one who holds, wants to hold on to the money. That's why it's a bit of a, a strange circumstance. Again, I'm, I already have the cow. It's in my property. Um, I, I'm holding it. Usually the one who wants to take the item, the burden of proof is on the one. I have the cow, but I have to prove, the burden of proof is on me to prove the donkey was alive at the time of acquisition or I have to return your cow to you. So the Gemara wants to know, where is the source for this? Because this is Shmuel talking, who's an Amora. And he says he got it from our Mishnah of the Kala. Now, okay, so now the Gemara's assumption is that we're going to go with yesterday's first approach, which is, our Mishnah had two cases. We said they were contradictory. The first case is that the burden of proof is on the kala. The second case is that the burden of proof is on the, on, the, on the husband, depending on when the blemish developed in, the, in her father's house or in her, his house. And we said we don't understand what's the difference. Do you go with chazaka or do you go with hamosich So the first answer yesterday was, it's a machlokas. The two cases of the Mishnah do not work together. It's a machlokas. The first case goes with the Rav Yeshua, the second case goes with the Rav Yishua. So let's go with that assumption, that the status of a Kala, both in her house and her father's house, meaning in, in after Kedush and after Nesuin is the same, and that is, according to Rav Yeshua, the burden of proof is always on her. According to Rav Gamliel, the burden of proof is always on him. So which is this more likely? So the Gemara says, Hi Kala, hi Kala, which case of the Kala is this cow case comparable to? Go to the next page. It can't be the first case. Again, according to Rav Yeshua, the burden of proof is always on the Kala. Why? Because she's trying to take money. Over here, he's trying to hold on to the cow. So it's not the same at all. Generally, the burden of proof is on the person who wants to take the item. You're holding the item, I want it from you, I need to prove it. Over here, and that's, the, that's what's happening according to Rabbi Yeshua with the Kala, right? The Kala wants the cash, she wants the Ksuba. She's got the burden of proof, she has to prove in order to take the money from the guy. Over here, I have to prove to hold on to the cow that's in my property. So it's not comparable. Okay. So you know who it is comparable to? You got it? Again, if there's questions, let me know. I'm... I'm I'm working on it in my brain. I think I got it. So the Gemara says, no. You know who it's comparable to? Rav Gamliel. What's Rav Gamliel, Shita? The burden of proof is always on the husband. So what is he proving? He's got the ksuba. He's got the money. He has to prove in order to hold on to his money. So that's a good comparison. The husband, according to Rav Gamliel, always has to prove that he's right in order to hold on to the cash that's already in his property.
Okay. Here's the problem. It's not comparable. Why? Who's got the chazaka in the case of the husband and wife? She does. He's got to disprove her chazaka. Who's got the chazaka in this case? I'm the one who dragged your cow and then my donkey died. I claim that it died later. That it died later. Because right? if it died earlier, then there was no transaction. I claim it was died later. I have to prove it. Who's got the chazaka? Me. Chazaka tells you things are alive until they're dead. So not only do I have the item, I also have the chazaka. I still have to prove it. So you're going to say, well, the Mishnah also he has to prove in order to hold on to the cash. Yeah, but he's, he's going against the chazaka. I'm going with the chazaka. Right? He has to disprove her chazaka, because her chazaka, she claims that the, devel- that the, the, the blemish developed later, which is what a chazaka tells you. He's got to disprove that. Over here, I have to prove that my animal died later, which A, I have the item, B, I have the chazaka. So it's like I have to disprove and I have a chazaka, so it's not comparable. Um, can I ask you to do me a favor for one second? Um, do you mind? Actually, I, I have to do this. Hold on one second, one second, one second. One second. Sorry, 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 Recording guys. Recording stopped. Pause, pause, pause. 545. Recording in progress. All right, fine, fair enough. So... So the Gemara basically is saying like this, where is the source for this cow case where the person who has the cow has to prove the donkey was alive? So I'm holding onto the item and I got a chazaka. So you're going to say, well, Rabbi Yeshua holds that you have to prove it. The answer is, Rabbi Yeshua holds you have to, the burden of proof is on the woman because she wants to take the money. Over here, I have to prove in order to hold on to the money. Gemara is like, well, that's Rav Gamliel. But Rav Gamliel is proving, disproving a chazaka. Over here, you're going with the chazaka. So who, who is the author of this? The answer is The answer is it's Rav Yeshua, the first answer, which is it follows Rav Yeshua, the burden of proof is on the woman so she's trying to take the money. I, over here, I'm trying to hold on to the money. The answer is, even Rav Yeshua according to Rav Yeshua, what, what's the halacha? The woman wants the ksuba, the burden of proof is on her, so she has to claim in order to take the money. That's not comparable because over here, I'm holding on to the money. What happens if if she loses? Right? Let's say she loses. So you'll say, well, she doesn't get her ksuba. She also has to give back the engagement ring. She also has to give back the money she got for Kedushin. People don't think about that. <laughs> right? According to the, the assumption is that she has to give back the ring that she got. So her claim is not just to get something, it's to hold on to something also. And the Gemara explains, this is in general a machlaikis in, I think, Baba Basra, this is a machlekes in Baba Basra. Yeah, Baba Basra. That if a guy gives a woman an engagement ring, or kedushin, whatever, and then dies, it's a shaila whether she has to return the money to his estate. But over here, where it's it's a doubtful kedushin, because it might be a she definitely has to give back the engagement ring, or the, or the wedding ring, or the, the kesef kedushin. So over here, the answer is, the reason why it's comparable is because her, she has to claim, and it's not just to get something, she has to actually claim in order to hold on. She's got the chazaka, but she's still got a claim not just to get the kudu, the ksuba uh, money, but to hold on to the kesa kedusha. And that's why it's comparable to the cow case. Okay. 
The Gemara says, And even if you hold that in general, the girl does not have to return the money of Kedushin when the husband dies, but this is a Shaila of Kedushin, and therefore she has to prove in order to hold on to the money. Okay. So right now we're saying that whenever there's a Shaila of whether the transaction took place, who has to prove it? It's the one who's got the item. Right? Again, this is like a, a, a tremendous chiddush. Because normally, the one who has the item, the burden of proof is on the other guy. But now we say, no, no, no. You have to prove it to hold on to the item. Here's the problem. Mesa Avakasha. So this Bryce is talking about the halachas of trefus. One of the ways that an animal could be a trefus is if a needle punctures through and through the walls of the stomach. So the Bryce is like this. Beisakosis is one of the stomachs of the cow. It's a very thick lining. If there's a needle that's sticking that's sticking out of the wall, but it's only visible on one side, so it's like this. It's not through and through. It's just sticking out on one side. So maybe it didn't penetrate through. Maybe it did. We don't know, right? It could be it penetrated through and still stuck, or it could be it didn't go all the way through. So halacha is that if it's only visible on one side of the lining, kshayra, it's still kasher. Mishnet's done, but if it's through and through, it's like this. Mamish, like through and through, like the needle is through and through, then it's trefa, okay? Now here's the question. How do you know that it punctured? How do you know the needle punctured when it was alive? Maybe the needle punctured after it died. In which case it's kosher. Right? Who cares what happens after that? So, if on the top of the needle there's a speck of blood, then you do a Then you know that the animal was alive when the needle penetrated and it's trefa because if the animal was dead, there's no longer, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't have blood on the needle. Okay. Now here's the shayla. Okay. So let's assume the needle penetrated through and through. It's got blood on it. Trefa. For sure, trefa. You're the butcher. Yeah? I'm the farmer. You bought the cow from me, and you sold it. They come to you, and they're like, hey, it's trefa. You're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. I sold you a trefa animal. Right? So if, I, if, if when I sold it to you, the needle was through and through, that's a mekhaftai, so you can get your money back. If it happened later under your jurisdiction, not my problem. How do you know when it happened? So it says the Gemara like this, Huglid Piyamaka, if there's a scab over the needle, so then, Biyadua, Shishloisha Yom Kaidim Shechita, that you know that it took place at least three days before. So if you bought it from me three days before the slaughtering, that means that it was already trafe at that point, therefore I gotta pay you. Loi Huglid Piyamaka, let's say there is no, there is no scab, Okay, so here's the deal. So you bought it a day before. You bought it on Monday, you slaughtered it on Tuesday. There's no scab. So when did the needle go through? I don't know. Like, if there's a scab, you, you have a timeline. There's no scab. So you have the cow. I got the cash, right? I'm the, bu- I'm the, I'm the, you're the butcher, I'm the farmer. You gave me money, I gave you a cow. Finds out it's Treif. You're like, I'd like my money back. And I'm like, no, no I think it happened by you. So what's the halacha? Um... Which is, I have the cash, you got the dead cow. You want my money? You got to prove it. Right? Makes sense. But here's the kasha. I don't understand. You're telling me right now, whenever there's a transaction, and you're not sure whether the transaction takes place, the person has to prove in order to hold on to the transaction. So why is it, right? In this case, you're the butcher, 
I gave you the I gave you the cow, you gave me the cash. So if there's a Shiloh whether the transaction was good, it's on you to to prove it, to take my money, which that's what I would assume. That's what the Bryson says. But according to Shmuel, shouldn't I have to prove in order to hold on to the money? Right? Isn't that you're now changing this whole concept that like when a transaction is whether a question whether it took place, it's on the person who has the item to prove in order to hold on to the item. So why is it that you have to prove? Shouldn't I have to prove? So the Gemara says, The Gemara says, you're right, in general, I have to prove. The only reason why the burden of proof in this case is different, because in this case, you didn't pay yet. Meaning, this is the case where I gave you a cow, you didn't pay yet. So the reason why the burden of proof, the burden of proof is on me, it's, it's, it, actually the burden of proof is on me because you didn't pay yet. So I want the money to be taken out. So the Gemara says, um, the Gemara says, wait a minute, my Puska had, you see, telling me when the Brysa says the burden of proof is on me, right, it's on the person who wants to take the item. So we said, why? Why should it be on the one who wants to take the item? It should be on the one who has to hold on to the money. The answer is, I didn't get the money yet. Which, by the way, is that normal? Most transactions, don't they give money for the item? Like most? So you tell me the one case of the Brysa is where I gave you the cow and I, did, I, I put it on credit. My Puska, like, why would you assume? Isn't that random? Like, that's the case? Meaning, the Brysa says that it's on the burner proof on the person who wants to take the money. So the Gemara says, why? I thought now you have to prove it to hold on to the money. The answer is, yeah, generally you have to prove it to hold on to the money, but in this case, he didn't pay yet. So there's no money to hold on to. So you, if you want the cash, you got to prove it. So you're telling me the entire case of the Brysa is where it's on credit? My Puska, that's strange. Like, no, that's not normal. It happens to be by food businesses, a lot of times nowadays, is on credit, but not back then. So, so what's, and even nowadays they get ripped off a lot. So, what's the, why, why would you assume that? So, you know what the Gemara says? Um, this entire Gemara that we've done has been Amr of Yehuda Amr Shmuel. Shmuel's teaching in the name of Rabbi Yehuda in the name of Shmuel that the person, uh, the burner proof is on the one who has the cow to prove that the transaction took place. And, and again, I, like I said, it's weird because that's not normal and we're trying to find sources from the Mishnah and we're trying to find prices. You know what the answer is? That's wrong. Don't listen to him. Erase everything that we've said. Don't listen to Shmuel. That's not what Shmuel said. That's, the burner proof is on the person who wants to take the cow from me. So in this case, where I have the donkey, you got the cow, I take the cow into my domain, you go outside, the donkey's dead. You want my cow? You got to prove it. Right? We start off by having Shmuel saying, I have to prove in order to hold on to the cow. And Kasha and Terrence, the answer is, that's not correct. That's not what he said. You got to prove it. You want to take the cow from me? You want to take the item from someone else? You got to prove it. I never have to prove to hold on to things. That's not how it works. Don't listen to Yehuda in the name of Shmuel. This is what Shmuel actually said. Whoever has, whoever wants to take the item from someone else, he's got the burner proof. And by the way, now the the case of the butcher, as long as there's payment, it makes a lot of sense because in the case of the butcher, I gave you a cow, you gave me the cash. You want the money? You got to prove it. Perfect. I and it would only be a problem if it was on credit. Because if it's on credit, then I have to then I have to prove to hold on to it, unless there's no money. So the Gemara says, "I have a ton of tuna of a kala." Okay, meisve machashinim says by beisakoyses v'lo yoyev tov dame bal behema boy lasirayu mapik v'maisveke b'shus tavachis yalid. So the Gemara says, "But wait, isn't this case of the butcher I'm just quoting the same thing? Isn't it talking about a case where he didn't pay yet?" And it's and you see that the burden of proof 
is on the is on the is on the uh, is on the is on the in general it's on the guy to hold on to it. The answer is no. No, the case is where he paid the money, and the burden of proof is on the person who wants to take the cash from the other guy. Umay Paskin, why do you assume that he paid? Stomach the milsa, come to because that's generally how business goes. You don't get the item unless you pay for it. So that brisa, which says that the burden of proof is on the person who wants to take the money, is talking about a case where it was already paid for. And you want to take money from me, you're gonna to have to. You're gonna to have to go take it. That that's that's the basic uh, basic assumption. Okay, so we'll stop here. All right, guys.